Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Caliber Mining Q2 2020 Earnings Results and Multi-Year Outlook Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will follow at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the conference, please press star, then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this conference call is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to your host, Mr. Ryan King, Vice President, Corporate Development and Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for taking the time to join the call this morning. Before we get started, I'd like to direct everyone to our forward-looking statements on slide two. <clears throat> our remarks and answers to your questions today will very definitely contain forward-looking information about the company. Although forward-looking statements are based on what management believes to be reasonable assumptions, actual results may turn out to be different from these forward-looking statements. For a complete discussion of the risks, uncertainties, and factors, which may lead to actual operating and financial results being different from the estimates contained in our forward-looking statements, please refer to our 2019 annual MDNA and AIF available on our website as well as on CDAR. And finally, all figures are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise stated. Present today with me on the call are Russell Ball, Darren Hall, and John Sieber. We will be providing comments on our Q2 2020 operating and financial results, but we'll be spending most of this morning's call discussing our multi-year outlook and the related Libertad Complex PEA. We will take questions at the end of the call. The slide deck we will be referencing during the call is available on our website at calibermining.com under the events section. You can also click on the webcast to join the live presentation. With that, I'll turn the call over to Russell. Thanks, Ryan, and uh, good morning, everyone. And thank you for joining us on the call this morning. As Ryan noted, we're not going to spend a lot of time on Q2, given we were shut down for 10 weeks of the roughly 12-week quarter. But firstly, I would like to express my sorrow and extend our heartfelt condolences to the family, friends, and co-workers of a contractor we lost in a vehicle accident on Friday night, July the 31st. I'm disappointed we failed to send one of our extended caliber family members safely home from work that day. All accidents are avoidable, and this one was no exception. We simply have to raise our safety performance, and you have this collective management team's word that we will. Getting to slide three, briefly on the second quarter, we produced 6,010 ounces and sold 9,426 ounces of gold. Costs were obviously elevated on a per ounce basis, reflecting the fixed cost nature of the business. After we restarted operations, we provided revised 2020 production and cost guidance on the 24th of June. You can see those numbers on the slide if you're following in the deck. 
On the exploration front, we increased our near mine drilling program by approximately 30% to 60,000 meters. And after reviewing the geological models as part of the multi-year outlook, we added an unbudgeted 20,000 meters of infill drilling to this year's drilling program at a cost of approximately 2.5 million. The infill program is targeted to provide additional data to allow us to upgrade a significant portion of inferred resources to indicated resources when we report year-end 2020 reserves and resources. With that brief overview of the quarter, I'll turn it over to Darren to provide more details on the operations. Thank you, Russell. Turning to slide four, firstly, I would like to take a moment to recognize our employees and business partners who come to work every day focused and give 110%. Your commitment and ability to deliver during this globally challenging time has truly been inspiring. As Russell touched on the second quarter physicals, I will focus on a few of the team's achievements since our first quarter call. Leveraging off rigorous COVID health and safety protocols, we successfully recommenced operations. I'm particularly proud of the work the team has done with our community awareness campaigns. As an example, we have aired 2,700 COVID awareness infomercials across three TV stations. Utilizing the hiatus in drilling during the temporary suspension, we work with our drilling contractors reviewing our commercial arrangements, resulting in a 12% reduction in our contracted per meter drilling costs. Demonstrating the importance of developing effective external stakeholder relations, we have re received all required approvals and commenced construction of the four kilometre Pavon Norte access road, which is currently 30% complete. We've received all required approvals to commence drilling on the 1,300 hectare Natabidad mineral concession on which the Pavon Norte central and sur deposits are located. It is worth noting that there has been no active exploration on this concession since 2014, and our exploration team sees significant upside potential. We've received Ministry of Environment approvals for the development and operation of the Pavon Norte Open Pit. Additionally, we have progressed the Pavon pre-feasibility study, which is scheduled to be completed during the fourth quarter. We recommenced operations at Hubbley Underground on August 2nd, for which I would like to acknowledge the efforts and supportive engagement by the Ministry of Energy and Mines and the local community at Barrio Havali. Integral to unlocking value with our hub and spoke strategy is the ability to responsibly transport ore to the Libertad. And I'm pleased to update that during July, we safely delivered an average of 800 tonnes per day at a cost of $26 per tonne from Limon. Without reducing in-circuit inventories, we closed July with 15,879 ounces of production, a strong month after the temporary suspension and a positive start to the third quarter. With that, I'll turn it over to John to review our financial results. Thanks, Darren. <clears throat> Turning to slide five, revenue for the second quarter of 15.9 million was derived from sales of 9,426 ounces at an average realized gold price of $1,688 per ounce. There was only a small amount of gold board in June <clears throat> as the company restarted operations using lower grade ore. Mine operating income was 5.8 million, the company also incurred care and maintenance expenses of $7.1 million. This, combined with G&A and other expenses, resulted in a net loss for the quarter of $5.4 million, or $0.02 cents per share. Consolidated total cash costs and all-in sustaining costs 
were $955 and $1,426 per ounce sold, respectively. In the current gold price environment and a positive start to Q3 operations, we expect to generate significant operating and free cash flow in the second half of the year. With that, I'll turn it over to Russell and Darren to discuss our multi-year outlook. Thanks, John. So before jumping into the details of the multi-year outlook, I wanted to take a couple minutes to reflect on how far we have come as an organization since taking control last October. Over the last nine months, we have accomplished a number of key milestones. The Hub and Spoke operating philosophy has become a key value creation story. And during the first quarter of this year, approximately 20% of Liberté's metal production came from Le Mans and Pavon, demonstrating the value this strategy is already delivering to the bottom line. As you will hear in more detail from Darren, we have significantly extended the mine life at the Libertad complex. Remember, when we bought the assets last summer, the consensus view on Libertad was that the operation was headed into closure and reclamation in the second half of this year. As Darren mentioned earlier, we've recommenced blasting and mining activities at our high-grade, heavily underground mine, providing additional mine plan flexibility. In addition, we're currently drilling at heavily underground and we see excellent opportunities to expand the current resource. Without any additional drilling, but taking a different approach to development and operation, we announced a 318% increase to the Pavan resources and filed the related updated 43-101 report in January this year. We recently received the environmental permit for the development of the Pavan Norte open pit mine less than a year after starting the consultation and permitting process. And finally, as part of our hub and spoke approach, we recognize the opportunity at Le Mans, with the mill being the key constraint, to maximize near-term production, cash flow, and net asset value by trucking mill feed mined at Le Mans to the limited complex. Overall, a number of significant accomplishments in our first nine months and we see significant opportunities ahead of us. With that, I'll turn it over to Dara to dive into some of the details in respect of the multi-year outlook. Thanks, Russell. Moving to slide eight. Caliber being exclusively focused on the Nicaraguan assets presents an excellent opportunity, as I believe that a key to unlocking value is looking at the assets from a different perspective, a fresh set of eyes, if you will. A good example of which is the value being realized from our hub and spoke strategy of integrating the assets, for which the value will continue to grow as our understanding of these assets increase with current and future drilling programs. The underlying principle is quite simple. Stop thinking about the assets as unique operations, but as a single business entity with a combined 2.7 million tons of processing capacity split between two mills connected by paved infrastructure. As Le Mans gold production is mill constrained, and the Libertad processing facility has significant excess capacity, the value proposition is clear. Improve the utilization at Libertad by processing ore from Limon, Pavon, and potentially other sources. Let's commence with an overview of the Limon complex, turning to slide nine. As mentioned earlier, Limon gold production is mill constrained. So consider a simple plan whereby only open pit ores are processed at Limon allowing the known underground resources to be mined and transported to Libertad. 
It's important to keep in mind that this snapshot is based on B2Gold's deposit models, which do not incorporate any drilling post-2018. Based on current open pit mineral reserves and expected conversion of the mineral resources, the 10-year outlook for the Limon complex, processing 500,000 tonnes annually, is anticipated to deliver between 50 to 70,000 ounces of gold at an all-in sustaining cost of between $900 to $1,100 per ounce. It is also worthy of note that this snapshot is mined to mill balanced and does not consider advancing stripping, processing higher-grade ores, ore sorting, or hauling open pit material to Libertad. As Russell mentioned previously, we recently commenced an infill drilling program which is expected to convert a significant portion of the inferred mineral resources to indicated when we update reserves and resources at the end of this year. Moving to Libertad on slide 10. Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge the team at SLR Consulting, led by Grant Malenzik, who worked diligently with Bill Patterson and the Calibre team in preparing the Libertad Complex PEA. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much. It is important to note that of the mineral resources reviewed for this plan, only 60% of the indicated mineral resources and only 40% of the inferred mineral resources were included in the PEA, an overall inclusion of less than 50%. The mineral resources considered in the plan include Vetanueva and the Santa Pancha mine complex from Limon, Pavli Underground, Pavli Antenna, and San Antonio from Libertad, and Pavon Norte and Central. Considering the conservative approach to resource inclusion, this initial snapshot is very encouraging with the Libertad complex now estimated to generate 120,000 ounces per year at an all-in sustaining cost of $906 per ounce over the next three years. Additionally, over the next five years, the plan generates $319 million of after-tax free cash flow at $1,800 gold. As Russell mentioned, when Caliber was completing the due diligence to acquire these assets, no value was attributed to Limon, sorry, bigger part, to Libertad or Pavon. Turning to slide 11, this initial snapshot is based on an average mill throughput of 723,000 tonnes per annum, leaving 1.5 million tonnes of surplus annual capacity as a significant opportunity for organic production growth through plan optimization, conversion of mineral resources, exploration success, and toll milling. It is important to note that the surplus is three times the installed capacity at Le Mans. Turning to slide 12, this slide provides at a glance summary of this initial Libertad complex PEA. Over the next three years, only 45% of the installed processing capacity is utilized to generate an average 120,000 ounces per year at an all-in sustaining cost of $906 per ounce. I see this as a strong foundation from which to build, as our understanding of the assets continue to improve, coupled with updated deposit models incorporating drilling since 2018, and our 2020 80,000 metre resource expansion and infill drilling programs. Turning to slide 13, the value in a fresh set of eyes is clear when we consider that Libertad was headed for closure this year and is now estimated to generate $319 million in after-tax free cash flow at $1,800 gold, with significant upside potential. I now pass it back to Russell for the summary and Q&A. Thanks, Darren. In conclusion, I feel very good about where we are as an organization as we head into the second half of 2020. 
clearly we're in a strong gold market, notwithstanding this morning's sell-off, and the price is helping drive significant free cash flow generation. The folks in the aspects of the business that are within our control, I would like to note the following. I believe we have set up nicely to deliver on our 2020 guidance, and I would like to recognize Darren in particular and his broader operations team that have done and continue to do an outstanding job in these challenging times. This initial multi-year outlook snapshot addresses one of the biggest concerns we heard from investors last summer when we were doing the equity raise, namely that the street's view of Limited was that it was headed into closure and reclamation in the second half of this year. Ironically, the processing facility at Limited provides significant opportunity for additional near-term growth, cash flow generation, and in my view, after our people, represents one of the most valuable assets that the company has today. The snapshot we provided today on the call and the associated release and the detail will be provided in the upcoming uh, technical report that will be filed uh, later this month or early in September. What we intend to do is update this snapshot with a view in the second quarter of 2021 with the work we have been doing since we acquired the assets last October. On the expiration front, we have committed to an 80,000 meter program for 2020 and currently have 14 drill rigs turning. We anticipate receiving assays shortly from the core we ship post restart, so it is too early to comment in any more detail, but we will be providing results and updates as they become available. That brings us to the end of the formal presentation. And with that operator, we'd be happy to take any questions. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question at this time, please press the star and then the number one key on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, please press the pound key. And your first question comes from Farku Hamid with Raymond James. Hey, good morning, guys. That was, that was pretty close. It's Farouk here. I hope everyone's well. Um, my question um, was just related, actually, to um, a little bit of the you know the outlook uh, in, in the PEA, but maybe more specifically, um, Darren, if you could provide us some details on the exploration program. Uh, how that's restarted after you know being shut down in Q2, and maybe just some uh, some early indications on you know some of the areas you're targeting, um, maybe this year and, and into next. If you can give us kind of a, uh, a kind of a pre look at, at kind of where you know areas that you're focused on. Yeah, sure. For, um, no, we recommenced drilling here in uh, in June. And we had a we had a, a good ramp up during June and into July. We haven't seen any results come available yet because between drilling the hole and getting a, a compliant set of data back to be able to release, it's about a six week to eight week turnaround. So we would anticipate starting to see some interesting results back over the next month or so. Um, if a split, as Russell's talked about, is you know we're looking at about eighty thousand meters for this year of which 20,000 meters is focused on infill and 80 and uh, 60,000 meters on resource expansion. The focus in the early part of the drilling program is actually on conversion. 
So, you know, a critical part of this whole PEA process has been identifying the fact that we have a mix of resources and reserves split at Limon and predominantly resources at Libertad. And it becomes very difficult for us to be able to provide a consolidated outlook until we can get them onto an even keel on a consistent basis. So a big focus for us for the balance of the year is to get us with two integrated, or sorry, two separate reports, one for Limon and one for Libertad Pavon at the end of the year, which include all of the drilling and all of the information through the end of 2020, which will allow us then to be able to provide a more comprehensive outlook in, in the early part of uh, 2021. Um, the focus for infill at this point is to be able to convert uh, inferred to indicated, as we kind of alluded to in the plan here. About 60% of, uh, of the indicated resources are considered in the plan and about 40% of the inferred resources are included in the plan. Interesting of note too, at, at, within the PEA, of the answers mined within the plan, about 60% happened to be indicated and about 40% happened to be inferred. Of the inferred ounces included in the plan, about 60% of those ounces happened to be uh, from Harvey Underground. So a big focus for us over the next few months is to complete the infill drilling at uh, Harvey Underground to be able to upgrade that resource base to an indicator base at the end of the year, which will allow to you know, upgrade significantly the confidence within these plan estimates. So if I think about the infill drilling, it's upgrading at, uh, at Hubbley Underground. It's extensional and upgrading within the Limon Open Pit Complex. Uh, from memory, I think we're about 30% inferred and about 70% indicated within the resource space at, at, uh, at Limon. We would anticipate this drilling taking us to a significant increase in indicators at the end of the year at Limon. So that's kind of where the focus is in the short term from a drilling perspective. And then the, the extensional drilling that we talk about within the corporate deck that we've, you know, we've, we've covered previously. Thanks for that, Darren. And, and maybe just one follow-up. Um, so, you know, this PEA was based primarily on a cutoff um, of December 31st, 2018. Um, so when we think about the, the next, uh, re reserve and resource statement uh, at the end of 2020 uh, and obviously the 80,000 meter drill program this year plus what was done in 2019. What are we looking at in terms of total drilled meters um, difference between the 2018 cutoff and the 2020 cutoff? Uh, with what we've drilled in 2019 and what B2 Gold drilled in 2019, I think by the time we're all said and done, it will be probably just over 100,000 metres. Okay. And um, that would be pri primarily at Libertad and Limon, or would that also include some, uh, maybe some other satellites that you're looking at? Uh, predominantly it would be Limon and Libertad, but now we have permits in place for Pavon, which we covered earlier. We'll, we'll commence drilling at Pavon here within the next month, with the focus being on condemnation and geotechnical drilling in support of the pre-feasibility study, which we'll issue in Q4, and also commencing some infill drilling to be able to upgrade inferred to indicated, albeit a significant portion of Pavon is already at indicated status, and commence the resource expansion drilling at Pavon as well. So, uh, but the majority of the drilling from a volumetric perspective will be in the mon Libertad, and we'll start the program at, uh, at Pavon. 
Okay, great. Thanks. That, that's everything from me, and, and great to see the PEAF. Thanks very much. Welcome. Thanks, Mark. Your next question comes from Jordy Mark with Haywood Securities. Yeah, good morning, all. Um, if I may extend on some of those uh, those questions, um, just for, uh, say, Pavon, the, uh, the feasibility coming up versus the the data in the PEA, do you see much of a potential difference in terms of the production cost structure coming uh, coming out between the, the feasibility and, and today's release? Um, and then also uh, maybe an extension on Libertad. Obviously the greatest latent capacity in that plan so far is is the near-term capacity um, for so 21 in particular. Um, is that Delta in, in latent capacity been optimized on a fixed cost basis in terms of mod modification in, in the components being used in the plant, or do you, do you see optim further optimization potential going forward? Darren? Okay. Uh, Jordy, hey, how, how are you going? Um, uh, I guess I'll cover the Pavon question first. Um, we've got WSP doing the pre-feasibility study at Pavon, and they've been working very closely with uh, with SLR or AKA RPA, um, as RPA will be providing the technical report at the end of the year for the consolidated Desminic assets, which now include the Libertad concessions and also the Pavon concessions. So you know, that communication has been very close during this PEA process. So I wouldn't expect significant level of surprise between the PEA and the pre-feasibility. But of course, you know, the team is still working through the pre the pre-feasibility study and those numbers will vary around a little and we'll have those numbers tight by the end of the uh, end of the fourth quarter. Um, in in terms of you know, looking forward at Libertad and the capacity issue, um, no, we've touched on this before. I think there's still good opportunity uh, to be able to optimise our fixed costs as we look at you know, operating that plant. We've talked about some of this before in terms of you know, when we have the lower throughputs, we idle out the oxygen plant because we can increase retention time in the wet end of the circuit. So we play those sort of those sort of games. So now there's there's plenty of opportunity to finesse these costs, and I think it's probably worthwhile just mentioning when we talk about the unit costs that are in the pre-PEA, they're based on historical unit cost performance, and they don't reflect the operating improvements that we've seen since October, nor the commercial opportunities that we've generated in the last six months, and in particular during the temporary suspension in Q2. Now, we've touched on some of this before in terms of cyanide savings and diesel cost savings, mentioned the, the drilling cost, and we've reduced drilling costs around 12% on a cost per meter basis compared to what we contractually had before. So those, those sort of estimates will, will more than likely be reflected in the end of the year estimate, but they weren't included in the PA. So I think there's still some... Uh, some upside there and some, I'll call it, conservatism in the, the unit cost basis. Okay, great, thank you. And, and maybe an extension on to Lamont. I see there's a, there's a sort of a, a range over the 10 years of 50 to 70,000. Um, is that uh, any particular, I guess we'll see the detail in the PEA, but is that it's, uh, just a uh, mine plan grade distribution or have you sort of fronted a grade for 70,000 ounces per year or? Can you give us any more detail in terms of how that looks um, in terms of the overall shape of that production curve? Yeah, no, it's, um, 
yeah, the Limon plant per se, the Limon open pit plant per se, won't be included within the Libertad Complex PEA. The Libertad Complex PEA will be singularly focused on the ore that's processed through the Libertad mill, which will include the underground product from Limon, but not the surface product. Um, the reason for the wide range is because of the nature of the way we've reported it to maintain compliance. Uh, we've, we've, as we've kind of highlighted there, we've got uh, a mix of reserves and resources in that plan, so it makes it very difficult from a regulatory perspective to come out with absolute tight and specific guidance. And also that uh, in generating those ranges of numbers, what we've assumed is an open pit only plan, which is on a constant strip ratio basis. So to generate 500,000 tonnes a year of mill feed, what we've done is we've mined between eight to eight and a half million tonne a year of waste in order to be able to keep that strip ratio constant over life of mine. So there's a really big opportunity within the Limon complex to optimise that open pit plan to be able to accelerate waste stripping, looking at scalping out higher grade fractions, looking at ore sorting, looking at scheduling within the pits and sequencing. There's a, there's a serious volume of work that we can look at when we get these updated models and look at resequencing and rescheduling those those deposits. And that's part of the reason why we took a relatively conservative view on both the Limon look ahead, but also the PEA. Because the, the work, the basis for all of these plans is the deposit models, which we've done a good review of and we understand uh, how well they perform, but they're reflective of data at the end of 2018. So to spend a lot of time really tightening up those plans and finessing it is probably not value add. It would be more useful to wait, do the snapshot, incorporate the additional information we're going to see in 2020, and then recrank the plans in Q1 of 2021. Cool. So in short, plenty of upside, I think, Jordan. Yeah, Your next question comes from Garrett Goggin with Gold Stock Analyst. Hey guys, um, good call so far. I got a question. You mentioned July, the um, hub and spoke um, ounces were up. Could I have more detail on that, please? There? Yeah. Uh, uh, sure. Hi, Garrett. How are you? Um, no, hey, we, we had a very successful restart. Good man. Good. Hey, we had a very successful restart after the suspension. Um, without any contributions of ore from Hubbley Underground. Uh, we delivered just under 16,000 ounces without pulling any inventory. Net year-to-date, we've actually built some inventory in circuit inventory. So we've built a little bit of a, a production bank there, if you will, to buy, provide us some uh, contingency in the back half of the year. Um, but no, we had a successful start, good grades, solid. And if you look at the performance in July versus uh, what we saw in Q1, it's pretty consistent, right. maybe a little higher run rate on a quarterly rate. Um, but no, let's let's see how the balance of the quarter uh, plays out, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be having an interesting conversation uh, in early October. Was it higher grade that was run up as well, or? Uh, predominantly, it's predominantly a grade factor. Yeah, our, our tonnage is, at Limon is, is fixed, and our, right. uh, you know, we did see a few extra tons through the Libertad mill because of the 800 tonnes per day from Limon. Um, so, yeah, but it's predominantly a grade, a grade manifestation as opposed to a throughput. Right, right? gotcha. But again, um, as we, as we add, add additional sources in, vis-a-vis Hubbley Underground in the second half of the year, 
you know, that'll obviously have a positive impact on our production profile as well. Right, right, right. Now you've got a um, there's a multiple of sources. You got Havili Underground. You got when when's Pavan going to start hitting in 2022? Uh, no, we foreshadowed our first production from Pavon um, in uh, well Q1, I think, of 2021. That's currently disclosed. Uh, gotcha. Um, and then you've got a lot of um, near mine um, drill targets that are progressing well as well, right? Uh, ab absolutely, absolutely. And if you look at what's coming down the hopper, you know, there's, a, yeah. there's a plethora of opportunities and targets that need to, be, need to be dressed up. If we look at the sources for 2021, the majority of the sources for 2021 are, are, you know, are well known, right? And we know what it's going to be. It's really going to be about plan optimization, efficiencies, and looking at right. you know, maximizing efficiencies to get tons out of the mine to be able to uh, maximize utilization at the Libertad mill. Right. Right. Okay. Right. And, and then, introducing Pavon yeah. Norte. Right, Pavon Norte. And then I see the forecast. It, 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 it's, uh, you're looking at Libertad and you're estimating about 800,000 tons processed. Um, first quarter 2020, you processed 400,000 tons. So are you expecting to step down a lot from there? Yeah, and part of it, part of it, Garrett, is, is that you know, we talked about when we had the site is that you know, we had a, a large, uh, lower grade resource from the spent ore yeah. that we we're processing yeah. as well. Um, yeah, that material would ostensibly be depleted in uh, in 2020. So our focus okay. will be on you know, on profitable production going forward, and we'll be looking at you know those sort of yeah, three to four and a half gram average fe average feeds from you know run of mine sources. So we'll see less tons, but at a higher margin. So we'll see less dollars spent to produce the same or more metal, which will obviously play through to a very positive impact on all and sustaining costs. Right, exactly, correct. Okay, um, that's good. Thanks a lot for your uh, information, and good luck. Yeah. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Your next question comes from Justin Stevens with PI Financial. Hey guys, uh, I think most of my questions have been hit on already, but uh, a couple left. Uh, just to confirm, you guys said the sort of the delivered cost per ton for the the trucking uh, seen to date was what twenty six dollars a ton. Uh, is that about what we can expect uh, going forward? Like, is that a, that's I'm assuming that's contractor rate. Russell, you want me to answer that one? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Darren. Uh, yeah, come uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, twenty six dollars a ton is is what we've seen year to date. Um, there's some opportunity to improve on that cost. Again, this is from, from, uh, from Limon. It is, a, it is a business partner that we're developing. And again, it's early days with a business partner, but we are seeing an improved level of performance. But yeah, our primary focus right now is not about trying to shave a dollar or two or three off the unit costs. It's to ensure that they do it responsibly. We're working with them to ensure that yeah, they've got GPS tracking in the, in the vehicles, they've got fatigue management programs, is you know, we want to make sure that we do the right thing uh, socially as part of this program because it's pivotal to our longer-term hub-and-spoke strategy. Um, but with that being said, you know, as we, we get them to a more efficient operator, you know, we will see, I think, positive impacts in terms of unit costs as well going forward. But at $26 a tonne, hauling over the 250 kilometres is still a pretty attractive value proposition. And putting it in perspective, it's about a half a gram equivalent in terms of head grade. So, if it, you know, for example, if it starts out at Limon at uh, 
at four grams is effectively a three and a half gram feed as it gets into Libertad. So, um, perfect. Yeah. Um, and just on that front, um, I guess, I mean, you know, sort of a bit high in the sky, but looking further down the road, say you made another discovery, um, you know, sort of Pavon scale, uh, would you guys potentially look at sort of, uh, I guess, bringing the, the haulage in-house if it was going to be uh, sort of a material uh, amount compared to your underutilized mill capacity at Libertad? Yeah, no, absolutely, Justin. I mean, any any opportunities we can see to optimize costs, we would look at. But if we look at the the value proposition there, it's really about ensuring that we don't have any social issues rather than the, the cost per tonne. And we see it as a great opportunity here to engage with our, our local content as well. As we start at, at Pavon, we'll be looking at, at leveraging off the resource base that's there at, at Pavon in order to be able to provide some of that support with the SINSA, our business partner, on those haulage programs as well. So there's more to it than just purely just the unit cost basis. There's a real social element to this as well. And the more engagement we can have from those external stakeholders, um, the more attractive it will become and the more supportive the communities will become of, of those programs. Um, For sure. Because again, go, going forward, it's, uh, it, it is a cost in the business, but it's not a significant cost. Yeah. Yeah, and better, better to better to keep uh, everyone happy and uh, have everyone be sort of you know have the the same goals in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at where we've come from in in effectively four months, you know, we take out the second quarter. You know, we started this program really in in January, so we had a, you know a couple of months there in the first quarter, and we're at 800 you know, tons a day on average in July without issue. Um, you know, bodes well for the future. And, and that really is key. We want to make sure we can provide a quality product, keep our, all of our stakeholders happy um, as we expand this. Because you know, a year from now, you know, we'll be talking about you know, those sort of volumes coming in from uh, Pavon. Right? And hopefully Perfect. expanding the web further afield. Yeah. Great. I think that's it for me. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question at this time, please press the star and then the number one key on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, please press the pound key. Well, Brett, it looks like uh, we're done. I guess uh, a lot of people are looking at the rate on the screens and are maybe hoping to uh, digest some of our numbers. Um, you know, I, again, I appreciate everyone taking the time. As I think we've painted here a, a, a snapshot that um, brings people current to roughly where we are today um, internally as far as looking at optimizing the assets and adding value. As, as Darren alluded to, this is based on you know, data effectively at the end of 2018. Um, there's a lot of work to be done um, internally, but also with our partners outside the business, like RPA, WSP, to update this body of work for the uh, data, um, drill data costs, et cetera, um, between now and uh, early in 2021. And um, as we spoke to earlier on the call, we'll be providing an updated snapshot sometime in Q2 as we pull all of that together and hopefully um, provide uh, an even clearer view into the assets and the opportunities in front of us. So with that, 
Um, just want to say thanks again for the time. If anyone has any questions, Ryan, myself, Darren, or John, always available to uh, dig into some more detail. And as I said earlier, we'll be filing the uh, updated technical report, slash PEA, here um, around the end of the month, probably the first week of September. So, um, again, thanks for your time. Uh, stay safe, and uh, we'll be in touch uh, here in the next quarter or so. Thanks, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference. Thank you for your participation and have a wonderful day. You may all disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.